like to invite you to turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 6 this morning. Thank you guys for leading worship. Genesis chapter 6. Title this message An Examination of the Life of Mrs. Noah. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 through 18. As I was praying about this message on this day, I began to wonder and pray and think who is the woman in the Bible? who made perhaps one of the greatest contributions to history, and yet no one ever talks about. She's forgotten so easily. And Mrs. Noah just came into my heart and mind. So I'd like to share with you a little bit of what the Bible says about her, and by the way, it's not a whole lot. We'll read Genesis 6, verses 8 through 18 today. To give you some context, the earth was already multiplied. In other words, there were millions of people all over the earth. But God's heart was grieved and broken because of the wickedness on the earth. He was broken. He was heartbroken because of the wickedness that was everywhere, the violence, the sexual immorality. No one seemed to care, but God cared. Because you see, God is holy. He's perfect. And so, we'll see what happens. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. But Noah found favor. In the eyes of the Lord. Remember last week, somebody asked you, how are you doing? What do we say? We are blessed and highly favored. Noah was highly favored. Verse 9, Genesis chapter 6. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. What an incredible description of a person. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Porkchop. Just kidding. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. How many sons did he have? Three. Okay, we're, we're, we're focused on the mission here. Verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will, make, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. And the word ark there means a large box, a large floating box, essentially. Made out of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And then he gives specific instructions. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. 
and its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof or a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above. And set the doors, set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. Now, how many stories is it, church? Three stories, okay. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. You think God's concerned about the sin that separates us from Him? Absolutely. Verse 18, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark. You, your sons, and how many sons did he have? Three. Your wife. There she is. Our first time we see her. Your wife, Mrs. Noah. We don't know her name, but we, we know her by Mrs. Noah. And your son's wives with you. Wow. Okay, now let's think about this. God told Noah to build this large boat. And he gave very specific instructions. He says to build it 500 feet long. So if you do the math conversions to feet from cubits, 510 feet long. So I did some measurements. That is the length. If you go to the north side of our parking lot over here in the front, right on Main Street, to the very corner, there may be a fire extinguisher there. I kind of think there is. There may not be, but the very corner over here, if you stand right there and then you walk out in the middle of Main Street, do this when there's no traffic. In fact, probably shouldn't do this at all. But if you were to walk out in Main Street and look back down towards the harbor, all the way to Beach Boulevard from that corner is about 510 feet long. One and a half football fields long. It's big enough that NASA could set out three space shuttles from the toe to the very end, nose to nose, all the way down Main Street. That would be how far, how long the ark would be. Well, how tall is it? About 50 feet from the ground. Higher than a modern four-story house. It's plenty of space for three extra tall stories. How much cargo space? The ark had the same storage capacity as about 450 standard semi-trailers. And I'm getting my research from the ark encounter, the ark museum up in Kentucky. So there gives you some context. Now some of you ladies have thought your husbands had crazy ideas, right? Mrs. Noah, I mean she had, can you imagine? Her husband comes home and says, hey, this is what God told me to do. Wow. Okay, so just think about that the whole time through the sermon. It'll give you more respect for her and the amount of faith that she had. There's three observations I'd like to share with you about Miss Noah. Three observations. Number one, she was a woman unafraid to go against the grain. She was unafraid to go against the grain, to go against her culture and what Everybody said was the right thing. 
What was different about her? Well, she married Noah. We know that. What does the Bible say about Noah? He was a righteous man. So what was it about Mrs. Noah when they were at the high school dance and she looks up and she sees this man named Noah? What was it that caught her eye? Now at this time, it had never rained before. Scientists believe that there was a water vapor that enveloped the earth. A wonderful subtropical climate. They didn't need lotion. Everything was nice and perfect. Think about that. Never rained. Never had on their phones popping up some kind of warning. Never rained. What was it about Noah? Was it his beard that was nice and moisturized? Was it his looks? Was it the fact that he was different? She noticed he was different. He didn't talk like everybody else. He didn't care about the same things that everybody else cared about. Was it his strong preaching voice? He was a righteous man. And most of the time, unrighteous women do not want to marry righteous men. And vice versa. Now sometimes they do. But there was something about Noah that made this woman think, I want to spend the rest of my life with that guy right there. And so she did. Now the Bible repeats a theme for a believer to not marry an unbeliever. Moses warned the Israelites not to let their sons to marry women who were non-believing because why? They would lead them astray. Samson, who repeatedly sought out women who worshipped other gods, it ultimately led to his destruction on his life. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, until his wives led him astray to worship many other gods. This woman went against the grain. Think about it this way. Mrs. Noah was the only female of her generation on the earth after the flood. You think you battle loneliness? Think about Mrs. Noah. She was the only female of her entire generation on the whole planet. Wow. Noah was the only man in his generation on the whole earth. Fascinating. She didn't let it stop her. Second observation. Mrs. Noah was a woman who assumed the biblical roles of wife and mother. She assumed the role, her role to be, a, to be a loving wife and to raise her kiddos to fear the Lord. You see, she would have known about her ancestor, Eve. Wouldn't she have known all about Eve? Yeah, absolutely. She would have known the story about how God how Adam was there in the garden and he, he needed a helper. And so God provided for him a suitable helper in the form of Eve. And how did God do it? The Bible says God took a rib from the side of Adam. The great preacher Andrew Murray says this, The woman was made out of a rib 
made from a rib out of the side of Adam, not out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be loved by him. Mrs. Noah knew all about this, and so she submitted to her husband's godly leadership, even though she probably thought he had lost his ever-loving mind. It took faith. Now this couple would have worked hundreds of years farming. We know the Bible says that Noah was a farmer. Hundreds of years they would have worked together. They would have worked on the ark for about 120 years. So they did the farming thing together, side by side. Then they built an ark and oversaw this massive construction project. They had to hire many employees probably. It was a large operation. Obviously Noah and his wife had a lot of resources. I believe they were rich. God blessed them for His purposes. then they would have been zookeepers together. Now, if the farming and building an ark will not break your marriage, running the zoo together probably will. With no instruction manual. You know, the alligator's chasing the zebra. What do you do? You know, Lord, you got to fix this. The gorilla is hanging out the window on the ark. Who let him out of his cage? So they ran a zoo together. With God's supernatural help, by the way. You say, well, that's impossible. Well, not with God. He put those animals in their place. There was a Sunday school class at a a small church in Mississippi. And uh, the Sunday school teacher asked the kids, "How how did God get all those animals on the ark? And one kid said, well, duh. They were baby animals. Well, we don't know. That's a good, good thought. Maybe so, maybe not. They were, uh, Miss, Miss Noah was the co-captain on a worldwide cruise. They didn't have 24-7 ice cream, but she was also a co-captain on a, a large boat. What kept her from going bonkers? Well, Ephesians chapter 5 says this, and, and I would say that these scriptures here are very controversial to our culture and nobody wants to hear it. But at the end of the day, we've got to decide if we're going to believe God's word and go with it, or if we're going to go with the world and what all the popular Christians in America say we should do and live like we should say. And I believe God's word is absolutely true and inerrant. And then we can bank our whole life on it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 says this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now hear this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So if the husband is laying down his life 
for his bride, which means totally dying to himself, sacrificially, then it'll be a lot easier for the wife to submit to their own husbands as a picture of the gospel. 1 Peter chapter 3. Hear this, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. In other words, many wives have unbelieving husbands. What do you do about it? Well, there's some instructions. Verse 3, do not let your adorning be external the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. Now, if you examine verse 3, does Peter write that we should not, ladies should not braid their hair or should not uh, have jewelry and makeup? Is that, is that what the verse is saying? No, look at it. Let your adorning, do not let your adorning be external. In other words, do not let your beauty be those things. It doesn't say you cannot be all done up, you know. You can't go get a makeover. That's not what it says. Peter writes simply, don't let your beauty come from these things, but let it come from the inside. Let your beauty be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Now, here's the word to the husbands. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And many ladies say amen. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Be reasonable. Seek to understand. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. The word weaker there doesn't mean weaker in in any other way except for physically. Physically. You say, well, that offends me. Well... God made men and women different. And we ought to celebrate those differences instead of being frustrated by that. Men and women before God Almighty are equal at the throne of God. But on earth our roles are different because God ordained it so to be a picture of the gospel. Miss Noah understood this. Miss Noah gave her heart and her life. She wasn't a perfect woman, but she was a great example of a godly wife and a godly mother. Next we see, last observation. She was a woman of extraordinary faith. Miss Noah was a woman of extraordinary faith, obviously. You see, when Noah said, we're going to build a large boat, it had never rained before. I mentioned that earlier. Think about the faith. She'd never even seen rain before. What happened last night in the bay, she could not even fathom. The Bible says that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, if you want to see it. She had great faith. It took faith to keep her from leaving Noah. It took faith for her to get on that boat. She impacted history maybe more than most people ever will 
yet no one even knows her name. But you know what? God knew her name. God had appointed her, gave her the gift of faith for this time in history. She played in the background. Her name wasn't the one in the lights. She played in the background, and she changed the world by how she submitted to her husband, who everybody thought was totally insane, but he looked like a genius when it started raining a lot. She raised her three boys to love the Lord. Excuse me. Her oldest boy was Shem. He would be the ancestor of the Jewish people from who would come. The Lord Jesus, the Messiah, would come. Mrs. Noah, her oldest son, would be the father, the ancestor of all the Jewish people, from whom God would raise up a Savior for the whole world. She was a woman of extraordinary faith. So the question for us today is, who are we going to be? Who are we going to be? The clock is ticking. Our hearts are beating. Time goes on. Who are we going to be and how are we going to raise our families and how are we going to respond to serving in our local church and how are we going to live out in the world and how are we going to conduct ourselves and what are we going to be passionate about and what are we going to give our money towards and, and, and what's going to drive our attitude and our, our, our joy every day? Are we going to let our circumstances dictate how, how the day's going to go? Oh, it's raining. Tomorrow's going to be a horrible day. It's going to be a terrible day because it's raining. No, no. If you, ha- if you know Christ, you have the joy of the Lord. And every day can be a good day. Even when your circumstances stink. Because God is sovereign. On the throne, Jesus is alive. He's risen from the grave. God promised to never again flood the earth. And He gave the rainbow as a symbol. The beautiful rainbow. And we should never let anybody take that from the church, from the believers. Celebrate the rainbow. Rejoice in the rainbow. God is faithful. He's faithful always. Don't let anybody ever take that from God's people. But He promised to never again do that. The Bible is very clear that those who die in their sins will be held accountable. You see, the ark was the first picture one of the first clearest pictures of salvation. You see, they got on the boat and they rode through the water and they were saved. They survived. They escaped the judgment of God. Today, 2019, we receive Christ. We're getting on the ark who is the Lord and we're saved through Him. And baptism is a picture of that. Saved through the waters. It's not the waters that save us, but it's symbolic that all of our sins are washed away. That there's a way of salvation. That there's hope. That there's light at the end of the tunnel. So today, if you do not know God, if you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now knocking on your heart, maybe you came here for a baby dedication and you didn't plan on God really working on you. Maybe you just showed up because you're spouse drug you out of the bed. Maybe you just were walking down Main Street and said, I think I'll check out this 
Baptist Church. If God is convicting your heart right now, and the Lord's convicting you and stirring you, and you know you do not know God, you know you've been missing something your whole life, there's a gaping hole in your heart, then I believe God's knocking on that heart today. And He's wanting you to open it. He's wanting you to repent of your sins and receive Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. So if you've never made that decision, today's your chance. You can do that. You can make that public today. You don't have to. But if you're going to receive the Lord, you ought not be ashamed of it. Make it public. Be unashamed of the gospel. Maybe you're here today and you're just barely holding on. I'm sure Mrs. Noah had some of those days. She's barely hanging on. Lord, you're going to have to do this. My husband has lost his mind. He said he had a word from God. I sure hope he's right. Hold on. You know, it doesn't take a lot of faith. It just takes a little bit. And I'm guessing there's a lot of days that Miss Noah, her faith was just super thin, not even a half inch thick. Just a few, just a few mustard seeds. Friend, if you hold on, God's going to take care of you and bring you through the storm. So you respond as we have a time of invitation right now. I'm going to ask you, when we sing this song, if we can just not look around, let's focus on God, let's focus on what He's saying to the believers. Jesus said, my sheep, they hear my voice and they know it and they follow it. God knows how to speak to you in a specific way to where you and you alone can understand what He's saying. And so He's here. And He wants to speak. He wants to encourage you. He wants to show you things. So let's sing this song of response. If you don't know the words, just pray and seek and worship God and and just have a private prayer moment, okay? Let's bow and pray.